everybody, and welcome to a new episode of StartupRad.io, your podcast show with startup news and interviews from Germany. Hello and welcome everybody. This is another interview from StartupRad.io. This is Jörn on the microphone and of course I do have a guest because it's very boring to listen to me all the time. Christian, would you like to briefly introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Christian Maruste. I'm the CEO of a company called Comodule, and we build technology for electric vehicles, connectivity technology for electric vehicles. And you are actually located right now in Berlin, right? So, yes and no. We're located in Berlin, Germany, and in, in Tallinn, Estonia. So there's quite a lot of flying between the two cities. And how did you actually end up in this space at all i mean like five years ago there was not really talk of connected mobility there was no talk of the internet of things or anything surrounding that so it could not have been your aim when you were the little christian and your uncle asked you what you wanted to do <laughs> oh i want to do connected devices or what <laughs> yeah when I was actually, so, when I was, how, what, what happened to you how did you end up there When I was actually in high school, I was doing acting and I was very good in kind of acting and languages, but I got completely saturated about that. And then I remember that in my last grade, I decided to go to pursue engineering. Uh, I think quite a lot of that was because of my father, who always took me to, you know, science and technology museums and, and gave me some cool science books to read. So anyway, I went to engineering and I started my education in France. But then I came back to uh, to Estonia because it seemed that people could do much more uh, back home uh, than they could in France. You know, the French cooling system was very conservative. So I came back and I went into to study mechatronics, uh, which seemed like a nice thing to do because it kind of embeds different parts of engineering together. And from the first year on, I enrolled into a project or a program called Formula Student. It's where university students build racing cars. And it's also very popular in Germany. There's a lot of teams in Germany. And then I spent the next five, actually even six years, almost 24-7, going to school and then building these racing cars. And we, become, we managed to become one of the top teams in the world. So the world, there's around 500 teams now in the series. And they, they, you have competitions all around the world. So we went to very different competitions. And in the beginning, we built a combustion car. Uh, but the last two ones that I built were fully electric. So you build one car every year, uh, you compete, uh, but you also have to do a lot of, you know, you basically design it from scratch and you build it from scratch. So it's basically engineering competition first and foremost. And this really, you know, that caught me soaked into the emissionless propulsion. Uh, when you once drive with an electric racing car, you really understand that internal combustion engines are just going, you know, there's, there's nothing to do. It's, it's, it's not about only uh, clean air or, or, or silence uh, or noise. It's, it's really also about the drive and how the vehicle performs on, on the tarmac. So I got in love with electric propulsion and, and when we graduated, we couldn't continue with the team anymore, but we didn't want to go and have a nine to five job. So me and a couple of other guys, we were five at that time, we created a small engineering company where we tried to do kind of different electric vehicle and renewable energy services. Uh, but this didn't, didn't kind of end up well because 
half of us had their day jobs and somebody still went to the school, etc. So there was no focus. And some things kind of fall to, fell together so that we were able to go to pitch for a Stanford University competition in Mobile World Congress in Barcelona. And this is where we went with an idea of having a connected battery, a battery that would give you information from the vehicle for, to you as a, as a manufacturer, but also as an end consumer. And this was the feedback we got when, when going to different fairs all around the world and, and trying to understand what's, what's, what's next in the electric vehicle segment and market. And that was 2014, in the beginning of 2014. And then we, we, were, we, went, we had like very good success in Barcelona. We got to the finals with our pitch and then we decided that this is something that we will pursue. And we took, got together with four guys, uh, started a new company called Co-Module and focused on connectivity technology. And then we applied for an accelerator in Berlin called Startup Bootcamp. And then we flew all to Berlin. I see. And <laughs> I remember you told your dad always took you to museums. So what's your favorite technology museum in Berlin right now? Um, actually, my favorite, I would say, or the one that I went with my father was Inspire or Spear. How do you pronounce it? You know, near to Karlsruhe and Frankfurt. Because my father used to live in uh, Strasbourg, so very close to the German border for 10 years. So we went around a lot in, the, in that area. You know, the Porsche. Yeah, that's close to where I grew up. I lived a little bit north. I do believe it's Speyer. Speyer, um, yes. Yeah, Technologie Museum. The town is, I do believe, a little bit smaller where it's actually located. I do believe it's Sinsheim. Yes, 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 Sinsheim, yes, yes. Exactly. And yes. Uh, they do have, um, for example, one of the um, one of the taken out of service um, Concords. Over there, yes, right? Yes, yes. And all uh, the the planes and all technology. So it, it's a really nice place to go. We'll have our show notes at www.startuprate.io. And of course, you'll have the link and the route how to get there if you ever happen to be in Germany. And it's also why these museums are very cool are because it's not a museum in this old sense that you're just walking around and looking at things, but very often you were able to do things, you know, take part uh, I, I remember there was a attraction where you could use these life rafts that lead you out from a sh uh, from a ship so you could you know go into a life raft and jump into the water so these kind of things i think are what gets the little kids imagination going and thinking that i i would like to do something like that so and that is actually how you ended up in berlin so don't worry they're even longer stories so the uh, question for me is right now how do you like berlin what do you see positive and negative about the environment there and could you imagine to relocate even more or do you still think having two locations not so far away from each other is quite advantageous like Tallinn and Berlin? So for us, why we're in two locations or why we are in Tallinn is, is because we're doing, you know, a complex technology where we have hardware engineering, you know, electronics engineering, firmware, software, etc. So number one thing, but I think it's always a trouble with all startups, is finding good people. 
And because we went to university in Tallinn, we know a lot of good people. And this is why it was much easier for us to build a team here. So usually when you look at Berlin, the number one thing why people love it, especially startups, is that you have very good access to talent. At the same time, the living costs are quite low. But for us, you know, it's even better in Tallinn because we just know the people that we can, we can hire in the first phase. So now we're actually growing out of that uh, because everybody we know who are really good, we have already hired. But in general, I think Berlin um, has a very vibrant, vibrant kind of scene for startups. And also why we located there, we had choices to go to Shenzhen, China. I mean, for different accelerators. So we applied for three different startup accelerators. One was in Shenzhen, China. One was in Which Berlin. Is next to Hong Kong. So yes. basically, you would have been in Guangdong province in China. For everybody who's not familiar with China, that's the place where all the parts of the computers, of the smartphones, of the tablets are manufactured yeah. down there. That's exactly so, the world's workbench in electronics, right? Exactly. So this is where almost everything is made that is that you use on your daily lives. And so this was one option. The other one was in Berlin and the third one was in Tallinn. And how we made our decision was that not because where we have the best resources to develop technology, but where we are the closest to our future clients. So as we are targeting vehicles that are smaller than cars, so this means electric bikes, electric scooters, electric motorcycles, and in the beginning we were targeting the you know EU market, then Germany is the country that almost takes up almost half of the European market today for, for e-bikes, for example. So the decision was quite easy to come that we have to be in Germany. And in general, I would say that Berlin... Thanks to thanks to different organizations uh, and events, etc., has become kind of a center for uh, electric mobility innovation in Europe. I would say, and you can you can really feel it if you're there. Uh, you have a lot of events. You have different organizations like uh, you know agency for electric mobility in Berlin, etc. So you have to be in a place where things are happening in your market or in your segment. I totally understand that. When you've been talking about how you made the decision, I had a very big smile on my face because usually such startup decisions are made like rather on the basis, oh, which place has the more awesome nightlife? Uh, where did you get the cheaper drinks? Uh, where is the cheaper housing and all of this stuff? That was the first one. So I like that you actually <laughs> approached it systematically. And secondly, what came to my mind back in 2005, when I myself have been actually living in China and working there for the government for a half year back in Beijing, I remember there was a lot of a lot of smog in the first place. And also, as a reaction to it, the government encouraged people, funded, subsidized the buying of small electronic scooters. They were all the hype back in the time. And I still do see a lot around them. So China may be for the future also an important market for you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Just today, what we're targeting are kind of premium vehicles because our technology costs a little money. So it adds a little bit on the value of the vehicle um, and this is the segment that we see in the western world where you know driving a bike is cool and it's posh and it makes you different and so but but if you look at the eastern market where you know china india etc where there's huge numbers but these vehicles uh, are very primitive uh, some of them even use uh, lead acid batteries 
So, so for us, the market today is still on, on more premium, more higher quality vehicles. But of course, we are moving towards uh, more mass adoption. Oh, and, and I wanted to come back to the Berlin uh, nightlife scene. Um, when, <laughs> I I, <knew. laughs> when I when I moved there, some of my friends were also like, "Wow, you're in Berlin! You know, this is the you know number one location for clubbing." And have you gone to these and these places? And I said, "Sorry, guys, I, I really don't know anything. We do 16, 18 hour hour work days." Uh, and the coolest part was that our uh, location was in Charlottenstrasse, which is near the checkpoint Charlie, quite central in, in Berlin. And the first week we were able to stay, the first month when we were in Berlin, we were able to stay at the flat that we acquired from, uh, I think, Wege Gesucht, so it's something similar to Airbnb. But then we had, to move, we had to move out and we were looking for a new flat. And I found one on the, on the last day. And when I looked for that, I just looked at how far it is from our office so that we could, it would be on the walking distance. And then I remember that we had already been living two weeks in that flat when I had one, the first kind of free day, and then I went for a walk around the flat, and I discovered that the flat was like 150 meters from the Brandenburg Gate. So it was in really the prime location you could be in Berlin, uh, but we didn't know that, or, or we didn't actually discover that because we didn't have any time to look around as we were in the accelerator program and really focusing on getting the technology done. I completely understand that in the first few months as a consultant here in Frankfurt, I was actually only familiar with the places with the venues. You usually had corporate events where your clients, potential clients and organizations had some events, some get together where you just had to attend as a consultant and all the nightlife at this time, lots of people talked, oh, you've been there, you've been there. Uh, I just know this place, that place, and this place. Why do you know that places? Because there are events I have to go there. It's like when 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 you have some time off, you just feel like sleeping, sleeping, eating, and working out, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think this is also the reason why we went to an, an accelerator program. And I've had very many people, you know, asking from me, was this choice to go to an accelerator a good one you know what is the benefit you get from an accelerator program etc because now the market is you know completely saturated there's so many different accelerators all around the world and what i always say like the number one thing that i think you get from an accelerator is the fact that you basically go to a boot camp so you you take your co-founders you move to another country you move to a you go away from your kind of your social sphere and your network uh, and you just focus on the product. You just focus on your, your company for the three or four or five months and you don't do anything else. And you don't have your friends calling you because they can't meet you because you're not in the same city. You don't have your mom or your dad calling you. You can call them sometimes, but basically you're just focusing 100% uh, on on the product. And then in these three or four months, you're actually going to validate it super quickly whether it's going to fly or not. Okay, and tell us now a little bit about your company uh, how does it look like how many people do you have and do you actually have trouble finding people especially in berlin who are really highly qualified for what you're looking for in terms of skill in terms of personal fit to your team or is it just easy yeah uh, we put out an advert 
on three websites and we get 120 applications. How does it work for you? So what a company does, it builds connectivity technology for light electric vehicles, so bikes, scooters, motorcycles. And connectivity technology means that we build our own small hardware unit that together with the manufacturers we integrate into the vehicle. This electronics unit gathers information and sends it to a cloud server, which allows the manufacturers to analyze data so they can build better products in the future. And this is exactly what Tesla does as well. So you all know that Tesla has been extremely successful and you know that Tesla is kind of a connected car. You know, you can use your app to see where the car is and you can you can open the doors or change the ventilator settings. Or, um, but this is just the tip of the iceberg. So the real value of connectivity is that the manufacturer can learn from the usage of the vehicle after they have already sold the vehicle. And the second part is that they can also communicate and connect with the end user. And for that, we have also built a mobile application platform. So what differentiates us is that we built this in a full ecosystem where we take care of all the different aspects and we call it connectivity as a service. And then we sell this to the manufacturers who are not able to um, develop this kind of technology in-house. So this means actually everybody besides the automotive. This is the market we're targeting, and this is a market that is actually growing very rapidly, even more faster than the automotive market. Mm. So the European growth rate is about 30-35%, and the growth rate is still also growing every year, which means that the market is kind of exploding. So coming back to how do we find people? So actually we have our engineering team all in Tallinn, and then in Berlin, we have the kind of the sales and business development, uh, or I mean business development team. And very often founders also fly here and there. And finding people, I mean, to be honest, up until now, we haven't even used, we don't have, we only have basically two or three people who are all the time in Berlin. And for these, we've found them through this kind of accelerator program or, or through different uh, internship programs, etc. So we really haven't gone out there and and advertising that we want to get somebody. But in telling how we have found people uh, and good people is also going to job fairs at the university. So I I believe in two things which I, th- I think are a, a little bit um, not very startup-ish. One of them is that I don't believe in buying in services when it comes to developing your core technology. So we don't use outsource programming, etc. We do everything in-house. This is first thing. And the second thing is I believe in taking people quite directly from their school bench and then, you know, growing them together with your company. Uh, I'm a bit afraid of, of taking in people who have, I don't know, 10 years of experience in doing something because I think it might really destroy your culture. And it's also, you know, it, it also might put these people into a position that they're not accustomed to or, or, or they don't want to be in. Yes, it's basically if you have people who've been doing stuff for 10 years, they've been doing stuff 10 years for one way that works best for them. And if you want to change that, you have to have a really, really, really strong commitment from those people. It's like those annoying habits you have yourself and you're trying to, to untrain them, to not do them anymore. It's a pretty tough job and it's like, a steady process for those people so i understand what you're saying about this and 
can you now tell us a little bit about your product what we've we've heard it already so you're you're doing connectivity can you get a little bit more specific a little bit more into detail and when i've been researching your company i've Disclaimer, this is the day you could register in Germany for the model, um, for the new model. How is it called from Tesla? Model 3. Model 3, yes, exactly. It's a Model 3 day. But you're also working on an autonomous bike, right? Yes, I mean, actually the autonomous bike was something we did for a fair, for the Eurobike fair, as a kind of a show-off or as a prototype to show people what you can do with connectivity once you have that. So we really strongly believe that through building our technology, we're creating a platform, we're creating a, an ecosystem which, which allows to innovate and, uh, and go much further than you can with vehicles today. And we also did this kind of autonomous cargo bike project. And I mean, people laughed at that in the beginning a lot. And we did as well while we were building this. But when, once we unveiled it, we actually literally had three different post companies approaching us and saying, hey guys, this is a very cool thing. Uh, what are your plans with it? Can we do a demo? Can we do some, can we do some tests with that? So I think there's, there's this huge potential besides cars. And if you look at the problems the world is facing today, then we have two huge problems. And number one of them is urbanization, that a large majority of people will live in the cities. And actually, United Nations has said that this is the biggest problem for the or the biggest challenge we face in the coming decades. And another problem is pollution. So around seven to eight million people die prematurely every year around the world, you know, according to World Health Organization, because of pollution in the cities. It's not only global warming, it's just pollution as well. So it means that we have to convert people to clean modes of transportation. But the whole kind of hype and everything around that always focuses on cars. But cars only actually solve the first half of the problem. I mean, electric cars would only solve the pollution problem. But we still have the urbanization problem. So it means that we actually have to get people off the cars. We have to get people on personal vehicles and smaller vehicles. And the same thing applies to cargo. And the same thing applies to everything we do in the cities. So when we actually build autonomous cars, we're not really solving the problem the world is facing. We're only making driving more comfortable and more enjoyable. And actually we're making it even harder to get people away from cars. So what we wanted to emphasize with, with the autonomous cargo bike project as well, is that what we need to do is to look how we can really solve the problems and how we to use this new technology into uh, building you know, sustainable urban environments. And I'm really happy that new cool things have popped up. If you Google um, uh, Starship Technologies, for example, it's, uh, it's another Estonian company who has built this small delivery drone robot, you know, uh, kind of a small packet robot that runs on the pedestrian streets and delivers groceries or, or food or, or whatever last mile delivery. 